But I said, we're gonna do things a little differently because I see all the marketing out there for law firms and we're not doing that. So we were one of the first few firms to actually start our social media. And I think it caught on because we were doing things so differently, you know? Um, and yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a wild ride ever since. In law school, attorneys are taught to challenge everything, tear things apart, break them down, but the qualities that make lawyers great can be some of the worst for running a business. At every stage of growth, running a business and practicing law can feel overwhelming. And what happens when you try to add life and family to the mix? It can feel nearly impossible. You don't have to do this alone. I'm Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRank, a leading SEO agency for ambitious law firms. Each week we hear from the industry leaders on what it really takes to run a law firm, from marketing to manifestation. Because success lies in the balance of life and law, we're here to help you tip the scales. Today I'm live with Teresa Dieppe. So today we talked about branding, hiring a marketing coordinator or director of marketing, law de gras. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So let's get to it. I know a lot of people in California know who you are, but even then I feel like for as involved as you are in our space, like you're very like, you're like a shadow, like you're like secretive. I like to be in the background of things. I don't always love to be in the front. So well, even today being, you yeah, get to be in the front. Being in front of the camera is always kind of uncomfortable for me because you really? know. Really? Yeah. You own a video production agency. <sighs> I know, but that's you know that's why I'm behind the camera. True. True. Yeah. All right. So tell everyone your name and your multiple titles. We might run out of time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my name is Teresa Diep. Um, I am the founder of Outlier Creative Agency. I am a co-founder of Justice HQ. Uh, I'm the COO of the May Firm. Um, I recently left uh, VP of Marketing at Esquire Tech, which is a legal tech company, which I loved. Great position there. Um, I'm also a partner at Athea Trial Services, which provides um, trial presentations and virtual courtroom, which does focus groups for um, for trial. And how did you get into this space? Oh, God. Um, Bob Simon. <laughs> it's always Bob. I swear every episode <laughs> lately, that's because we're recording at Justice HQ. Yeah. So it's, a lot. It's, it's the Bob show. Yeah. Yeah. Lately, I, I don't know. I swear I, he didn't pay me or anything. I met Bob um, at a bar that I was working at uh, 20 years ago. And during that time, I was doing a lot of events for studios, and so he said, "Hey, I have a, I have a law firm party that I need to throw. Would you mind doing it?" And I was like, "Of course, you know." And so we started doing events together early on, and the crazier the events got, the more exciting it was for me because we did we did some crazy shit. I mean, we did a wrestling <laughs> event where we had actual wrestlers, and Bob was in. The ring? No. Yes, he was. Performing. I can't believe I missed this stuff. Oh, I, I got to show you videos. It's amazing. Um, we did a Oktoberfest event. Um, we did a lip sync party. Like, we just had some crazy ideas. And we had a really good working relationship. And so, 
years, years and years ago, he asked me if I would come on and do marketing for him. And at the time, you know, I was working for a tech company in sales, and I was like, you know what? I really don't know too much about it, but I'm, I'm happy to learn. And, but I said, we're gonna do things a little differently because I see all the marketing out there for law firms and we're not doing that. So we were one of the first few firms to actually start our social media. And I think it caught on because we were doing things so differently, you know? Um, and yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a wild ride ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that was like the beginning, but there's been so much yeah. since. <laughs> Since and then, yeah. One other thing that Teresa is involved in is Lottie Girl. Yes. And yes. Bourbon Approve, I, I would assume. Bourbon Approve, yeah. Um, so Lottie Girl came about when I started working with Bob and he wanted to do a conference. And I said, okay, like everything else we do, it has to be different. So I said, why don't we do a festival themed conference for lawyers? And so we came out with the idea of kind of calling it La Cella, but then we got from the good folks of who own Coachella gave us a cease and desist. You're kidding me. <laughs> no. So we had to change the name to Lottie Gras. But, you know, we kept it festival themed and we had performers and I wanted just to create like that outdoor festival vibe. Oh, it totally has that. Thank you. The other day I I said to someone like, yeah, no, I never wore tennis shoes. And they were like, yeah, you do. You wore Converse. Like, that Lottie girl, and yeah. I was like, okay, well, that doesn't count. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's a total, it totally has that vibe for yeah. sure. It's my I mean, favorite conference. Oh, that's just, yeah. that says a lot since you go to a lot of conferences. And I say it openly. Aww. People ask me all the time, and I say Lottie girl, hands down. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to create something that was casual and different, you know, and bring in arts and music and things that are different that, you know, I mean, lawyers are not one-dimensional. They're, they're people at the end of the day, and they enjoy those things. So why not bring it all together and then add the family element to it? Because, you know, you spend a lot of time away from your family going to conferences and doing business. Why can't we just meld the two? Why can't we have that? And so I think we've done a pretty good job at being able to establish that. You've done an amazing job. Oh, thank you. And... You know I don't lie. <laughs> I know you're very blunt. <laughs> I am. If I if I didn't like your conference, you you would not be here right now. <laughs> your con like Lottie Gras is by far. It's just such a good time, such a good fun time. I love it. Thank you. Um. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah. When it comes to marketing and branding, Teresa is like the person I call. Like when I have an idea. And I know she's going to tell me, like, no, I don't like it. Or, yes, I do like it. Or, why don't you do this? And she's, like, brilliant when it comes to marketing and branding and that sort of thing. Thank you. I so, that. what, like, what do you think firms have to do nowadays, in particular PI firms, to really stand out? You know, when we do an assessment with a firm, the first thing we ask them is, what's your story? And most people don't know what their story is until you kind of start talking to them, tell me a little bit about how you grew up, what, do you, what did you do before your firm? In that sort of conversation, we explore who they really are. And I think that's the first step in identifying, especially in branding, is identifying your story 
and how would that resonate to your audience? So you think that's like step number one? Like step number one. Before you go do anything, you really have to figure that out. Absolutely. And then what? So now they have a story. What do you think is the best way to get that across to their potential clients? Well, I think it depends. I think it depends on... Don't give me the lawyer answer. I know. We're so, we're so used to using that word. It depends. But I think it depends on who they're trying to reach and what their goals are, you know, because everyone has different goals. You know, you could be a firm that only takes referrals because you're a trial firm. You right. want to only take the, you know, the top cases. Or you can be a pre-litigation firm and be talking to a completely different audience. You're talking to consumers now who are looking you up on Google. So it just depends on what your goals are. And your target audience. And exactly. Right. Because like, Bob does a great job with, and again, the Bob show. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to rename, rename it. Um, he does a great job with his uh, Instagram. But he's really, he's targeting other lawyers. Right. He's not targeting necessarily the average person that's been in a car accident. Right. And I'm not saying that might not kind of happen naturally, but they're not a, your typical advertising firm. Like, I can't imagine the Simon Law Group having a billboard or anything like that. Who knows? Maybe they'll get there someday, but he knows his target audience. He knows it well. Right. Yeah. And it's something we talk about all the time, you know. I mean, everything that he puts out, all the content that he puts out is how do, you know, for the younger lawyers, how do you start your own firm and how do you build it and give you all the resources and education on that. But also for the trial attorneys, he gives them useful content and education on that. And that is so important. And that's why people love to follow him. One, he's obviously, he has such a character. He's such a personality. He has a likability about him. Um, but most importantly, he gives value to his audience. And how do you think a firm that, let's say it's a firm that their target audience is, you know, the average person that's been in a car accident. Let's say that they are a trial firm. They go to trial. What do you think the best way to get clients is? If they are a trial firm? Yes. I think the best way to get clients, well, if they're a trial firm, then they're their target audience is other referral attorneys. We'll get the calls from a trial lawyer that doesn't want to continue to pay that 30 to 50% fee. So they're like, it's great. I get all these referrals and that's great. However, I want to generate my own, my own cases, right? Why are you laughing? I, I, Everyone's I get, dream? No, no, no. I get that question so much. And I think that they forget that once you open up to the consumer, you have to sift through oh, absolutely. so many cases to get that case that you actually want. And so my answer to them when they say that is, are you prepared to do that? Absolutely. And this is what I do too. Like, and I'm calling someone like, okay, so if all of your cases are coming for referrals, what's your intake like? And do you understand that your intake is either just signing, just taking a case that's already been signed by another lawyer, or if it's a client referral, well, that's a really warm lead, mm -hmm. but are you ready to handle a cold lead? Because that's very different yeah. than a warm lead. And I've had firms that have said to me, like, that sounds awful. And I'm like, well, then marketing's not for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of it. But there are a lot of trial lawyers that do want to generate their own cases and are willing to, I would argue, change the structure of the firm to some extent, because I, I do think it, it's very different 
to do that, to get those leads in those cases. Just in my experience, I just haven't found a trial firm that wants to go to direct to consumer that's willing to do the work. That's all of our clients. They're willing to do the work to get the cases. All of ours. And so how, most of our clients are trialers. They're actually in trial every year. So they have a pretty big intake team. They don't, but they start building one. And they start with mm-hmm. they start with one and they add another, then they have an intake man, you know, somebody that manages it just depends on the firm. Every firm does it differently. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, intake is like such an annoying part of our industry because it really makes or breaks a firm and it impacts how we look. So if a firm doesn't have great intake, that can get imputed to us. Yeah. Like we, we have a firm right now that had 20% missed calls. We, we have a, another firm that had like almost 200 calls missed in oh one month. Oh my God. In a month? In a month. Wow. Like an absurd amount that we were like, this is not. Like, how do we... <laughs> yeah, that reflects badly on you. It because, does. Yeah, there's, it's not equaling to signed cases. I mean, it still is, but I'm like, well, you would have more yeah. if you didn't miss all these calls. Right. And I get that some are hang-ups and bots and whatever, but not that number. Like, that's a really freaking high number. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I've, you know, in the time that I've consulted with firms, the ones that are trial firms that want to go direct to consumer, I say, what's your intake like? And they're like, we don't really have an no, intake No, they system. typically don't. Yeah. It's almost always they would say, well, that's not really a route that we want to go. Let's go B2B. Yeah. No, I mean, with us, again, it's okay. Like, we will set it up. And now we've even had firms that I have one particular firm I can think of that said, I'm going to set up the intake team and then I'll call you. And they did. They set up the intake that's team. That's amazing. They set up all this stuff and then they started with us. See, that's a very rare thing. I mean, what you're doing at Law Rank is probably what how, what you should be doing you're you're more concerned about the client's outcome than just taking their business oh absolutely you know because most seo companies out there will just say we'll just do it for you and they don't really ask them about their operations because they don't care because they're still taking that money from you every month you know but what you're doing you're doing it right you're doing it properly no thank you i appreciate that i would like to to think that as well <laughs> because for us if it's not has to be sustainable, right? Yeah. And our reputation is everything. So you have to think long-term. You can't think, oh, well, I'll take their money, tell them what they want to hear, and then they can leave us a year later. Yeah, yeah but what about my reputation? Yep. And that's just not the right thing to do, like, if we talk about, like, values or, like, being a good human, <laughs> you know? Um, we could talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah. But I want to focus more on branding and like what you're seeing because I'm seeing like this crazy shift we're seeing such an influx of lawyers doing social media oh yeah I mean when we first started out we were probably one of the first few and now everyone you have to have one to be relevant you think so I think so I think a hundred percent and I think that but what if you're not good at it because I see some and I'm like yeah no I don't know there's a lot that are not good at. I'm like why are you even trying does that mean? But I just, no. like, I'm of the belief of, like, do it right or don't do it. Well, I think that there's ways to do it where you don't come off. Some of the stuff that I see on social media now, people come off douchey. Mm-hmm. And they think that that's what people want to see, and it's really not the case. Um, but I think that the younger generation, 
are looking up resources and finding people off of social media. Like I know for me, when I'm trying to find out about a company, I'm going to their Instagram and I'm going to their TikTok. Really? 100%. And not that you're old, but you're not 20. No. I mean, you kind of look 20, but you're not. <laughs> Asian Del Raisin. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But it's true. The, I mean, the younger generation is doing that. And so you have to meet your consumers where they are, right? And I think that that's why I think TikTok, and I was saying this three years ago, I was saying that, like, it is untapped market. And now it's saturated. There's so many attorneys on uh, TikTok now, but back then there wasn't a lot, and that was one of the things that I suggested to Tally, and it said, you need yes. to get on TikTok. And she had huge success doing that. She still does. Mm-hmm. That's how she gets all of her business. Yeah. Almost isn't, all that, of isn't that amazing, though, when you're, when you're talking about how people used to find attorneys and transitioning now to social media? And people don't believe that. Like, the old school people. Oh, no, no, no. Don't believe that. I mean, those people don't even think SEO works. And I'm like, buddy, it's been like 10 years. Like, yeah. I don't tell you. Yeah, SEO is, I mean, if you want to be successful, I think you have to have a good SEO strategy. I mean, they all work together. Brian White out of Houston, perfect example. Trial lawyer, you know, came to us with really very little marketing, although he had tried stuff in the past and had an SEO strategy that didn't work for a long time. He came to us. We took him from 400 active cases to 1,100 from just SEO, but then he started doing social media videos, and his TikToks are hilarious. They're amazing. They're very much like what he wants to put on. You know, he's not trying to be anyone else. Mm -hmm. Like, it's what he finds funny. Like, he does his own thing. And then he did, I think, 83 billboards initially. He's at over 100 now, which is atypical. You typically don't see, like, again, a trial firm go from not really doing any of this to doing it all. Mm -hmm. But what we see is that it's worked amazing for him to have, they all spill over into one another because somebody sees him on TikTok and then they Google and they see him and then they call because, oh, they remember it's this TikTok lawyer, right? Or they see the billboard and then they Google car accident lawyer and same concept, right? Right. So I think they work very well together. And I think the more that you do right, the lower your cost per conversion or cost per case is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that uh, when people talk to me about, you know, being hesitant about being on social media, either because they're shy or they just don't know the right kind of content, I think you need to figure out which platform works for you. Because not everybody can be a Brian White or a Bob Simon or they don't really have the likability to be on camera. Maybe LinkedIn is your platform of choice, you know, write articles, write posts that are, you know, thought provoking. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to fall in that trap of creating content like everybody else, because maybe you don't have the personality for it. It doesn't come off that great, you know, or be on Twitter, you know, Uh, there's a lot of different social media platforms that doesn't require you to be a character. And I think people fall into that trap that they think they need to be. And it's like, that's not, if that's not your authentic self, don't do it. That's great advice. I'd never even thought about Twitter or <laughs> LinkedIn. 
Yeah. And in a way, it's actually might even be beneficial because everyone is so hyper-focused on reels and TikToks mm-hmm. that they're probably not as focused. And like, I'm like the first one to admit, I don't remember the last time I posted on LinkedIn. Although yeah. I have tons of like connections on there. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're B2B, I think LinkedIn is great. What do you think will be the ne- Do you think like there's going to be a next big thing? Because I mean, I think social has and is right now, but... Yeah, I mean, I think YouTube Shorts is underutilized right now, and I think that Google's going to make a really big push for that. Because did you know, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure I'm not, that YouTube is the number one platform for podcasts? Yeah. We've talked about this, haven't we? Yes, yeah. I didn't know that. that, That's why we just started our YouTube channel. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, and if that's the case, and it's like the number one search engine, I think maybe did TikTok outdo it? No, right? I, I think know. TikTok is pretty up there. I know that they're they're creating their platform to be more of a search console. Really? Yeah. TikTok. TikTok is. Interesting. So you're going to be able to find things through keywords. No. Yeah. It's happening. Ooh, could we SEO for TikTok? There you go. I need to look into this. There you go. <laughs> See? I'm, I'm learning. You just expanded your services. I know. <laughs> So YouTube Shorts. Google's been saying that they've been, they're trying to push that hard. I haven't seen that, you know, there's always a moment where a platform just kind of switches over and it just becomes this massive thing. It hasn't happened yet, but I think it will. Because, I mean, you're talking about Google here. I mean, the search starts with them, you know? Absolutely. That's exciting. I like the, I like video. I do too. I love video content. I mean, that's, you know, that's our bread and butter at Outlier. At Outlier. Yeah. Yeah. Because and you guys do everything from, like, a brand video to actually shooting TikToks, right? And helping yeah. a client with... Reels, TikTok. But I think that one of the things that we do really well is documentaries. We'll take a case that someone has, either the success story of that, or if it's a case that they want the general public to know. One of the examples is one of our clients... Um, was looking for victims in a state where the coach was abusing these kids. And so we created this documentary talking about the history of this coach and made it very cinematic. I mean, it looked like a documentary and they ran ads off of it and they got a ton of clients by doing that. Because it was, it was not, it's not an infomercial. You're really telling a story. And it allowed people to really engage in it and talk about it. And so it became a really good strategy for them. So every time they have a new case that they really want the public to know about, we create that documentary. Do you do it for mass torts as well or not really? Um, Not really. Well, this one was a sex abuse case. Right, which is, it falls under that. But I mean more like you know, Zantac or Camp Lejeune or something like that? No, we haven't done one for that. I think it could, I think you can apply the same formula, but we just haven't done it. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. If, that, if that would work. I probably would. I mean, you can tell a compelling story. People are more attracted to that than anything, you know, and do it in a very cinematic way. So I know everyone talks about like, okay, it does not, like video doesn't have to be like super high quality. It's just like very fast, right? Kind of reminds me of like fast fashion nowadays, right? Yeah. But I still think that there is something to be said about quality, you know, Mm -hmm. content. Yep. Do you agree? I totally agree. 
I think people will watch it longer when they know that there's like it, there's high production to it. I mean, when you're talking about social media, though, I think that these quick videos, what it allows you to do is pump out a lot, a shit ton of content quickly. But I like like our Bourbon Approved series, which is you know a sit down full production, and I think people like that as well. So I think that the low quality quick stuff is great for quantity, but for quality, I like the high production stuff. I agree. I mean, I like high-end things in general, so it's one of the reasons <laughs> I... <laughs> I know. Maria will never stay at a Motel 6. You'll never I, I, find her there. I, I never have. <laughs> I never want to. But just in general, right? So I think for me, it's one of the things that I struggle with a bit with social, like... I'm getting over the idea that I'm just, like, recording on my iPhone and, like, adding a filter and, like, a couple transitions and, like, sending it out to the world, right? Like, mm -hmm. and with certain things, I think I'm more of a perfectionist. So, like, what advice would you have to someone that feels like they have to have these, like, perfect videos on social? There's no such thing as the perfect video. I don't think, you know? I mean, yeah, you can make it look good, but you can always constantly do better and... If you go by that mentality, you're never going to put out stuff. And I think it's better to put... Then that's literally what's happened to me. Yeah. Like, I'll do Insta stories all day, but, like, TikToks or... That's a great example. Reels, I have such a block with them. Yeah, that's a great example because yeah. your Insta stories do really well. Yeah. Right? Like, people are looking at that. Yes. They don't necessarily need you to clean that up and put transitions in it. You're right. just speaking plainly and naturally and I think people are attracted to that yeah I mean and it feels like like we talk about authenticity and like Tally talks about it too which I feel like that word has gone a bad rap but it, I, it feels authentic to me the way that I go on social yeah, right absolutely. and I think that's really important because I see some videos of lawyers and it just feels so forced I'm like don't do social just because you feel like you have to. Like, if you're going to do it, do it in a way that you're passionate about it and, like, you're enjoying it and you're having fun with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Instead of, like, let me just do this video with zero energy, super monotone, like, doesn't even make sense. I'm just, like, rambling. Like, I'm like... I hate that sort of content. I'm, I'm seeing it a lot right now. I know. And I'm not criticizing. I'm trying to help... <laughs> Whoever's listening and they're like, oh, maybe I fall, you know, under that category. Like, what can they do to make it better? Or if it just isn't for them, like, you know, we're giving you permission to not have to do it. Yeah. I think explore other things. Yeah. Write blogs. Go to Twitter. Tweet. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn. I, I like that I idea. mean, Twitter is still alive. Yeah. Cool. I think it's finding that right platform for you. Some people are great at video. Some people are better at writing. Do you think it's important for a firm to do, like, branding and to work on their brand? Absolutely. Like, from logo to colors to story, everything. Absolutely. What's, like, the biggest mistake that you see over and over? Um, I think I see mostly people not identifying with, like, not having a story. Like, when you talk to them about their firm, they talk about, like, all the technical things, you know, like, oh, there's like 20 people and blah, blah, blah. But they don't really talk about what their firm is about. And I think people want to know what your firm is about, you know? And I think that is so important. That resonates more. If you're telling me a story, 
it's going to resonate more than you giving me stats about, oh, I've got 20, 20 attorneys, you know, 60 employees. I'm like, that's not really what I'm asking, you know? What is your firm about? But should that include, like, their settlements and, like, case results? Or you're just talking about, like, more of, like, the human element, like, why they do what they do and how they do it and what's important to them? Yes, 100%. The latter. The latter. But I think you also need to have all the other stuff, too, to back it up, right? Like, you have to have the story, but you also have to have the um, credibility, being able to settle cases and have verdicts and things like that. You need to have that on your website, but it doesn't mean that your brand story is, like, absent from your website. I think it should be front and center, and it should also, you know, people want to see that you have success so that you want to put your settlements and verdicts also up front. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that you have a brand story to tell. I think everyone should have a brand video. Oh, I 1,000% agree. Um, that's like one of the first recommendations. We're like, get reviews and get us some videos. Yeah. Like, that's what you can do to help. Yeah. Right? Now, let's go back to conferences. Because there are so many conferences now. <laughs> like, yeah. it's exhausting. I can just like a couple conferences like merge or something. Because having a hard time keeping up. Um, what's going to be exciting about Lottie Grad this year? Uh, Give us some scoop. Like, come on. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to do a talent show okay. on Friday. So normally we used to have music on Friday and Saturday. But... We found that there were so many attorneys and, you know, legal industry people that have all these hidden talents, whether they play guitar or they sing, and we're like, wouldn't that be fun to have a talent show? And the winner of the talent show gets to open for the headliner on Saturday. And who's the headliner? I can't really say, but there are some very, very high-profile musicians that we're talking to for the Saturday performance. When will you know? <laughs> well, you know, we're in contract negotiation, negotiations with a few, so we should know soon. And what about that kid that played last year? Oh, David Snyder. Yes. Yeah, so he works for the agency. Uh, he's a piano prodigy. Is he going to play again? Yeah, he will definitely be there. What, when is he playing? Uh, he'll be playing Friday night. He was ridiculous. I remember you kept telling me, like, because I missed him the first day. Yes. And you kept telling me, like, Maria, you have to see him. Like, you can't miss him tomorrow. And I really was like, I don't even know this kid. Like, I was like, so, because I know you're super into music. Yeah. But I am, like, not that into it, not the way you are. So I was like, I, who cares? And I literally was, like, blown away. Yeah. He's like, amazing. I, I'm, like, more excited about him than whoever you have <laughs> really no That's I'm not so kidding funny. it was so fun like the way that he does what he does I don't even know how to explain it it's like it's be it's beautiful it's beautiful yeah. it's literally beautiful like I saw him after and I was like I took a picture with him I totally like fangirled him yeah I was like you're amazing like you're gonna be like he's yeah. gonna like blow up one day he's a he's a prodigy he was on America's Got Talent was he yeah um he didn't make it to the final round, but, you know. I can't got, believe it. Yeah, he got pretty far. Uh, we have a, I'll tell you this, we have a saxophonist who is. The same one I know or no? 
No, I think you're talking about the violinist. Oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> See, told you, I'm running to music. Different instruments. <laughs> <laughs> sound, a sound. <laughs> um, we have a saxophonist that's coming, and he is he is a talent, and I'm really excited to, to see him play. And that's exciting. Yeah. And what? so this time, it's at a different venue. Different venue. What are the dates? October 19th through the, the 22nd. The fact that I know this. Yes. And... This time the venue's only, it's... We, yeah, we bought out the venue. The whole venue. The whole venue. So wow. it's all Lottie Gras people. Um, there's this massive pool that's going to be sort of the center stage for a lot of the lounging. There's cabanas. Um, we're going to have great education. Uh, Bob wanted to make it tech and wellness focus um, Friday and Saturday in the morning, which I think is great. You know, I think... Wellness is something that is very much needed in this industry, and so is tech, because we all know lawyers are so behind uh, in tech. So And wellness. Yeah, and wellness. And so it's going to be good to, to have that and then start the legal education and medical education a little bit later in the day. What about the spa? Yeah, so we have uh, 50 passes per day to kind wow. of yeah, figure out what we're going to do with that. Um, the spa is amazing. It's out. Have you seen it? Have you seen pictures of no. it? It's, they have this like Zen garden and the spa rooms are in these like little hut, hut looking things. Mm -hmm. It's, it's gorgeous. But I, I assume it's like you're there and you don't leave type of thing. Oh yeah. You don't leave. Like you're just there for three days and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Everything is, you know, we've kind of thought about everything cause I, I really like immersive experiences for conferences, and I think that, you know, the experience is what makes the conference. Obviously, you're going to learn, but you can learn that listening to podcasts, you can learn it going to other conferences, but I'm really very focused on the experience. The experience from as soon as you drive up to the conference, what that feels like when you check in. No, it's a perfectly organized conference. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I try, I try. No, you guys do a great job. I'm like super excited. Okay, so back to marketing. Right now, you're the COO at the May Firm. Mm -hmm. And before that, what was your title at the Simon Law Group? Remind me. Uh, Director of Marketing. Do you think it's important for law firms to have a marketing coordinator or director of marketing, something like that within the firm? Absolutely. And what are some of the roles for these positions? Like, what is it that people should be doing? Well... You should be coordinating every single marketing effort that you have. Um, I think at the bigger firms, if you can't have a marketing team and you're going to have agencies that support the marketing person, the coordinator, um, then you could do it that way. But there's so many skills, and it's hard because marketing is so broad. It's so broad. And people ask me, like, because see, for us, the ideal is there is a marketing coordinator, and they're the ones looking at all the data, making sure if a firm is doing billboards or sending a newsletter, like everything has a congruent look and feel, and it's very consistent, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have like an old logo somewhere in an old headshot, right. and everything's just up to date, and they're the ones really just looking at what's working, what's not working, how do you allocate the money? But a lot of firms are like, well, can you give me a job description? And I'm like... Okay, well, let me find one. But, yeah. like, I don't know how to, like, they don't even know what to assign to a marketing yeah. coordinator. And I've been telling a lot of the 
like I'm not talking about small firms. I'm not talking about like a solo practitioner. I'm not talking about huge firms with huge budgets, but I'm talking about a mid-sized firm. No marketing person in charge. So we love it when there is a marketing coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. It makes your job easier. Yeah. Yeah. And their job easier because they don't have, especially if there's if the managing partners or the owner is still going to trial themselves. Oh yeah. They don't have the time to look at this and to make sure that like everything's implemented correctly. Like let's say they use Filewind, do they you know, it's like connected to everything. Are they able to pull the right reports? That sort of thing. What are your thoughts? Like, what were some of the things you did as a director of marketing at the Simon Law Group? Yeah, I mean, I handled everything from print ads to events um, to uh, coordinating referral dinners, coordinating uh, newsletters. Uh, correspondence with other firms. I mean, there's just so much that you have to do. And I think the problem is when you have a marketing person is that you expect them to understand and do everything. And what people don't realize that there's so many specialties within marketing that you're not, it's very difficult to find that unicorn that can understand all of it, that can understand. We've people. struggled with it. Oh, I'm sure. It's like, hard to find. I've really struggled with it. We're still in interviews. They need to know so many different things that we do and have experience to be able to execute. So we're looking for a director. We're not looking for a marketing coordinator because then we have to tell them what to do. I don't want to have right. to tell them what to do. I want them to run with our brand. Right. Right. But for a law firm, I feel like it is complicated but I think it's just so necessary just like even like these little things like planning the dinners or like at a community you know involvement event or whatever like taking the pictures uploading them on social and they can be very involved with social and newsletters and getting reviews or making sure the team is getting reviews you know posting them on social what do you think yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of firms will try to uh, skimp on that, on a marketing position, and they'll have like an office manager to the social media posting and expect them that it's easy, oh, you can figure it out, um, and they get into trouble, you know, and then like the classic example of that is recently there was a defense firm that had an office manager who recorded some stuff while they were having an internal meeting and put it on social media, and that firm said some things that they shouldn't have been saying and put that out on social media. And so they got a ton of bad press. Wow. They got in trouble for it. That's great. And it was pretty severe. But that's somebody who doesn't understand marketing, that doesn't understand that that is not appropriate to put out to the public. So... Yeah, is it an expensive thing to have a marketing person on your team? Yes. But is it necessary? Absolutely. And I think the bigger you get, the bigger their marketing team needs to get because there's so many specialties, you know, as you know. Like, and how do they know that the marketing person is doing what they're supposed to be doing? Because sometimes I feel like marketing, it's so hit or miss, and you can get someone that's just, like, creating busy work. What expectations should you have of, a, say, a marketing coordinator slash director of marketing? One person. Yeah. I think you work backwards. I think you work backwards from what your goals are. Saying, like, I want, with our marketing efforts, I want to be able to sign more cases, or I want to have more quality of cases, or I just want brand exposure. 
and work backwards in finding a person who can fill those shoes. Um, I think that's that's the first thing you have to do. Right, and then they recommend or they help the firm, like, hey, this is what we need to do, or the firm right. tells them, like, okay, we want more cases and we're going to, you know, do, you know, pay-per-click or we're going to do SEO or we're going to do whatever it is, social media, we're going to buy leads, whatever it is, right? And then they should be looking at the data. Right. Like, for me, that's the biggest thing is, like, who's looking at the numbers when it comes to marketing, right? Like, it's crazy to me how many times I ask a firm, like, okay, what was your cost per case? And mm -hmm. they don't have that. Yeah. To me, that's wild. I bet you get that a lot. What percentage oh. would you say? 90% of the time, easily. Yeah. Because they, Sometimes they, they can do the math. Like, they don't know the number, which yeah. I just, I think you need to know that number. Yeah. Because, like, how do you know what's working? And I get that everyone's busy and law firms don't necessarily want to, like, dive so deep into marketing, but then get someone that really loves marketing. Yeah. Right? Like, I think finding out what your goals are from the beginning to know what type of person to hire is really key, you know? Uh, and knowing what your budget is for that because some firms don't leave a budget for marketing, surprisingly enough. They don't see that as a valid expense to keep their doors open when it's probably one of the most important things that you should be spending your money on if you want to keep your firm going. Yeah, even if you're just a purely like referral-based firm, the clients that you help, you should be in front of those clients once they ha that case has been settled 100%. or, you know, whatever, went to trial, whatever the case is, or maybe even if like you couldn't work with them, I would stay in front of them, whether it's through a newsletter or social media. Like one of the things I hear from lawyers that do social media is that the referrals from prior clients went up when they started doing social media. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's because great. now they're top of mind. Yeah. Someone's scrolling through Facebook and they see them or on whatever platform it is. And then now their friend is in a car accident. They're like, oh, well, I know this great lawyer because they literally just saw them. Yeah. So I think that's like the other hidden benefit of social. It doesn't even necessarily have to be to get new clients, but what about the clients that were your clients? And yep. if they were happy, are they referring you cases? And if they're not, why is that? Yeah. Like absolutely. I didn't know swag bags were a thing in LA. Oh yeah. What the hell? Huge. Is this Huge. I, I need to find out and maybe somebody can comment or send me a DM. I call them onboarding packets because I feel like it's when you onboard a new client, you've given them something that they can use and you know that they're, you know, it's it's a sense of like friendship. When you give somebody something, it's like a, a show of friendship, right? And yeah, I like here's a gift, right? Yeah. This is something else that the marketing person could handle, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like what cool things are out there that are useful that you could put in the swag bag, right? right? Or even like doing videos. Like what I find funny is like I would have thought that firms would be doing videos like unboxing their onboarding box or bag. Right. And I think they don't do it because they don't want the competitor to know what they have. Right. However, what if you like your potential clients are seeing them? They're like, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Because they probably think it's unique to you. <laughs> Clearly everyone in LA does this. I didn't know. I mean, it's also, you know, great advertising for you too. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. I really yeah, appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much to Teresa Diep for everything she shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed and subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show. Catch us next week on Tip the Skills with me, Maria Monroy, president of Laring. Hear how the best in the business broke out of limiting beliefs, overcame adversity, and built a thriving purpose-driven business in the process.